0: SMB Wisdom acknowledges the traditional owners of the lands upon which we have recorded this podcast today. We pay our respects to Elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures.
1: Hello and welcome to the SMB Wisdom podcast, coming to you from the land of the Yuggera and Turable people. My name is Alice Roo and I'm a partner at SMB Advisory, the proud sponsors of this podcast. The SMB Wisdom Podcast is a forum to provide value tips for business owners from an extended network of experts on their topics of expertise. I'm so very blessed to have an amazing network of people who are fabulous at what they do. They might be accountants, lawyers, business owners, or any number of individuals that day in, day out, deal with the issues and problems that can plague small and medium business owners and come up with solutions, outcomes, and results to assist It's now my mission to bring some of this knowledge to small and medium business owners to assist them in making their good businesses great and their great businesses fabulous. Now on with today's episode. Hello everyone and welcome to the SMB Wisdom Podcast, a forum to provide valued tips for business owners from an extended network of experts on their topics of expertise. My name is Alice Rue, and I'm a partner at SMB Advisory and the host of this amazing podcast. Today, I'll be talking with Prue Greenfield from McPherson Kelly. Prue is a principal, principal Lawyer in the Litigation and Disputes Resolution Team at McPherson Kelly. She has over 20 years of experience in all aspects of commercial disputes, including franchising, debt recovery, insolvency, lease disputes, building and construction and shareholder disputes. Her clients include small to medium sized businesses, foreign owned subsidiaries, franchisors, franchisees, company, company directors and individuals. Prue has a true passion for dispute resolution, always taking a commercial and proactive approach to finding a resolution. Her well-honed life skills and true sense of empathy instill a confidence in her clients, allowing her to find the triggers that build a strategic winning edge in what would otherwise be a complex and costly litigation. Prue is a member of the Franchise Council of Australia, the Australian Institute of Credit Management, and a regular attendee at Women in Insolvency and Restructuring Events. Outside of work, Prue has an 11-year-old daughter and is passionate about the health and fitness and influencing others to make lifestyle changes and to be their best. Welcome, Prue. Thanks, Alice. Thanks for the introduction. Fabulous. And thank you for being a guest on our SMB Wisdom podcast.
0: Uh, Thank you for having me. And um, yes, my daughter is 12 now. So uh, yeah, she's uh, she's grown up. Yes, I need to. Way (laughs) too quickly. Um,
1: Yes. Pru, can we start off today by finding out the traditional land that you're coming to us from?
0: Uh, yes, I am from the land of the Kulin Nation. Fabulous. In Melbourne today? Yes, correct. Fabulous. Now, Pru,
1: we've heard part of your bio. It's a fabulous bio. Um, But do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself in your own words and what you do? Maybe your elevator pitch, as it were?
0: Yeah, thanks, Alice. Um, Look, that, yeah, what you said is obviously a really good summary, but um. Yeah, you know, as you said, I've been practicing for for twenty over twenty years now. It's hard to believe, but time flies when you're having fun, right? Absolutely. <laughs> yes, and um, yeah, I I practice in the area areas like you said of um, you know general commercial litigation, but you know with a real focus on. I do a lot of franchising disputes for both franchisors and franchisees, so obviously that's the topic of today, so we'll go into that and some of the stories, um, you know, Mm -hmm. and cases that I've been involved in, and my background is, yeah, lots of debt recovery and credit management advice, um, insolvency, I've been focusing more on the personal insolvency side of things um, of late, Um, and leasing, which comes into franchising as well, and shareholder disputes, and a bit of domestic building and construction um so i really love those areas and yeah the people i i I work with you know on a day-to-day basis clients and and referrers and and our team so yeah been at um, and kelly for um almost 10 years now which is exciting our anniversary is coming up so um yeah it's it's really exciting times
1: Um, I'm just going to digress for a second, because I do think that having experience in all of those different areas can be so handy and great for our listeners to have somebody on who's got, you know, such a well-rounded, I guess, level of experience in so many of those commercial matters or, you know, those very business-related matters. I like to think of it a little bit, Prue, and I haven't sort of said this before, so I hope it comes out of my brain the way I think about it, but as a bit of a Rubik's cube, you know which every side sort of has its um particular areas you know commercial litigation, insolvency, construction, franchising, you know if you can think of each side of the Rubik's cube as one of those, but then when you mess the Rubik's cube up how they all actually integrate um within each other and how important it is to have such a sound knowledge of um so many of those areas when dealing with business law generally.
0: yes, no yeah, spot on it's it's good to have that. Well-rounded knowledge when when advising, so for sure.
1: Now, we have you on the podcast, as you said today, Prue, to talk all things franchising, which is, you know, such such a huge area. I'm just going to add a quick disclaimer that everything we're talking about today is general in nature and does not constitute legal advice of any kind. Um, if you do have any specific queries for Prue, I'm sure um, she'll be happy to, to speak to you and we'll have all of Prue's details in our show notes and also at the end of the podcast. But Prue, Back to franchising, I think I read somewhere recently that the franchising market in Australia is worth about $173.8 billion. Now, that's huge.
0: Yeah, it's huge. And, yeah, it's it's something that continues to grow. You know, we hear all these different businesses and, uh, you know, in retail and, and gyms and, you know, there, there's so many different things. Um, but, you know, obviously COVID... The franchising industry, like every industry, COVID, you know, took a real hit because a lot of people couldn't trade. And, um, you know, I think it's something like like insolvency as well that it's it's recovering. And yeah, I don't think it's it's uh, slowing down at all. I think it's just getting bigger as people become more aware of okay, different you know um, brands and and how they might be able to have their own business and and make money through someone else's name mm. essentially. Um, well, so yeah, it's just growing.
1: Yeah, and we hear a lot, you know, you listen to most of the business podcasts or, you know, read a lot of the books that come out and it's almost about, you know, the next level, it's not enough to just have a really successful business, you know, when you've got one or two outlets, for example, the next thing is all about scalability and it's all about you know that's that seems to be in a a lot of circles anyway you know sort of the next goal when you've started a business how do you scale it and and how you do that um and we'll talk to that in a little bit but I understand there's a national register of franchisors isn't it so that people can go and actually search who master franchisors are and, and which franchises actually exist in Australia um what can you tell us about that
0: yeah there's a lot to it but i'll try and summarize it um in in a short way um but it was it was brought in um last year um basically yet to provide greater disclosure for franchisees because there's everyone's probably heard lots of cases in the media about you know this franchise always done this and that and hasn't disclosed this and that sort of thing so you know i think there was a, a real need to have more disclosure um, for prospective franchisees wanting to purchase you know, franchise businesses, mm-hmm. so all franchisors, I, I know that um, you know not everyone will be on it as of yet, but they were supposed to uh, be on it as of fifteenth um, of sorry fourteenth of November um, mm-hmm. last year, mm-hmm. um, and there there are penalties if you're not on oh. there, so. Okay. Yeah, it's fairly important. Um, You can incur a penalty of up to $133,200, very specific, but um, that's the penalty. So it's really important that all franchisors are aware of it. They have to have a MyGov uh, ID so there's a little bit to it. Um, It's not just a matter of jumping on. So it's something that, yeah, you know, we are advising different clients on, you know, we can help you with it, we can set up your accounts because it is a little, you know, there's a little bit, to obviously put in there. But a couple of things, just for example, so, you know, you the franchisor must have their name up there, um, you know, what business they have, their ABN, their addresses or their contact details um, and anything that should be included in a disclosure statement. So things like what the costs are, whether they can, you, you know, whether they need to use their suppliers or whether they can use their own, how mm. long the franchisor has been operating those sorts of things that there's, you know, it's quite specific. And then you you are supposed to include your, so in franchising, there's your franchise agreement, um, which is the, the contractual document between the two parties, the franchisor and the franchisee, and then there's a disclosure document. So that gives the franchisee a lot of information about what are the costs that are going to be involved, what other franchisees are in the system um, and how long they've been franchisees. Uh, yeah, lots of things in there, whether, you know, they um, are entitled to compensation for goodwill at the end of the, um, the term of their franchise agreement, whether they're subject to any restraints, which there's always restraints. But, <laughs> um, yeah, there's a lot of information. And then there's a new key fact sheet as well, which right. gives information to uh, franchisees. So they're the three documents that your franchise or should upload um, on the system as well as other information. Um, it used to be that, um, yeah, it was, you know, you had to disclose everything, but then they changed it um, that you can redact uh, commercially sensitive information, yeah. obviously, that, that, you know, you don't want to disclose. So mm-hmm. it, it is a requirement. It's new. Um, and it's something that, you know, um, you have to do every year and make sure it's up to date, which is a similar to the disclosure document, but it's, yeah. there's now a national register, which is what this is, where you can look up the information. So a lot more transparency around um, giving franchisees information about what they might be entering into, what Mm. franchise. Which is a bit of
1: a win, isn't it, for franchisees? Because I think for a long time there was a lack of clarity around what information they had ahead of going in. And, you know, I've been involved and you've been involved in many more franchise Mm. situations than I have, but I've been involved Mm. in franchise situations where even the, you know, and I know this still can happen, but the individual contracts between the franchisees are are different um, depending on what time they'd come in or what sort of, you know, what arrangement they have with the the franchisor, Um, you know, and and so someone might think that they're getting something that they're not necessarily (laughs) because they're they're entering into different contracts. And to understand, I think the supplier, one, is a big thing and and my um, experience has been that, you know, that's something that uh, franchisees sometimes don't, they're not aware of going into those franchise agreements that mm-hmm. they need to use specific suppliers and, um, you know, sometimes yes. they're only approved by the franchisor. So, I mean, the more information, the better, right? So, anybody who is looking at entering, you know, becoming a franchisee um, really should go and search that register, shouldn't they, and get as much information um, into those target businesses as they can.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I guess the one thing that's not there is, you know, I was talking about commercially sensitive mm. information, which can be financials and that mm. I'll talk a bit about that later about some cases I've been involved in. But I think that's the main issue still with with um, franchising where you can say, okay, what are the costs? But franchisees can still be in the dark a little bit about how much money they're going to make. Yes. So, yes, I've got to spend this, but what are my profits going to look like? Because mm. that can be considered commercially sensitive and they don't have to put that up. So... You know, it, it's something that I think any franchisee should speak to their, you know, fran- prospective franchise mm-hmm. or about to say who can, you know, are there other franchisees I can talk to about, you know, whether they would share their financial um, statements with me, is there anything you can provide me with because I don't have to put it on the register but I think that's a really important thing because there's so many franchisees that go in thinking they're going to make a lot of money and then, their costs blow out and, and they don't. So that, that's a really important thing to. That's not necessarily going to be on the register. So it's something that, um, yeah, you need to speak to your franchisor about or other franchisees in the network.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And also, that's where it's really handy to have someone like you Poo, involved or an accountant as well, because if you've got one of the larger um, franchisors that might actually be a listed company, they you can actually go and obtain some of their financials. The actual franchisors, not the other franchisees that are working you know within the network but Mm. sometimes having someone have a look at those financials to actually say well you've been told over here that this is how much you've got to pay but they're actually then getting these three line items of you know, um, income from the franchisees, did you know that you had to pay these things as well? Or just to ask some different questions. And they're really specific matters that a lawyer who deals with franchising all the time, you know, or an accountant can have a look at and, and sort of tease out quite quickly that can sometimes, you know, uh, alleviate a lot of heartache that might have yes. come around. Um, it's, you know, knowledge is power, right?
0: Definitely, yes. So, yeah, very important change and, and something that, yes, Franchisors need to be aware of, because they have obligations, and franchisees need to be aware of that they can access this information of this system. So it's a really yeah. good change.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so then if a um, a prospective franchisee actually becomes a franchisee, they enter into the agreement, they get within the network, um, there's often things that they can do to uh, conduct health checks, isn't there, in terms of their, their businesses. And that goes for the Franchisor, as well as the franchisee, and I understand that McPherson Kelly actually have some checklists in place, both for franchisors and franchisees, that can give them a little bit of a a health check um, to see where they're sitting with their businesses. That's right, isn't it?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So we we do have yeah a list of health checks, like you said, Alison, and and I know that you're going to attach that to to this recording so people can have a look at that because they're quite extensive um but just for example like our all checklist is you know just ensuring your documents are compliant because mm-hmm. that's always an issue um that you know you don't want to be taken to court because you've failed to comply with the franchising code of conduct which is the you know the, the legislation that governs mm-hmm. franchising essentially um and yeah so that's that's a big one and things like you know intellectual property always in franchising you've got your brand you know have you registered your um, intellectual property? You know, uh, under a trademark, those sorts of things. So there's a, a lot of things for a franchisor to, yeah, to make sure they're compliant, essentially, um, really. So we've got a yeah, a whole lot of list uh, list items, I should say, checklist items to check off on that. And then, like I was with a franchisee, it's about, yeah, are you aware? Like we were talking about, and you know, have you found a site? Because Is there a site you're taking over? Do you need a new site? Um, You know, have you looked at the lease? What's involved there? You know, how are you funding it? Do you have to contribute Mm -hmm. to a fit out? All those sorts of things. You know, what are your rights to sell? Um, Do you know what happens if you breach or don't pay? So these lists just cover all of those things, which are really Mm -hmm. important to know because throughout the term, which your term is a lot of them are five years and with a five-year option, um, yeah, you know, it's a long time, so you need to make sure that throughout that term, you know exactly what your rights are for both franchisor and franchisee, and yeah, that you're compliant on on both sides. So yeah, they're really helpful checklists. So. Um, would be grateful, yeah, if you could share those.
1: Oh, absolutely. We'll thank you very much for providing those with yeah, We'll absolutely share those with our listeners. Um, one of the things with that as well is, and, and from what you're saying, you know, things change a lot and not only mm-hmm. franchise specific, but, you know, sort of in the business world and compliance, things do change quite a lot. So it's, I think, quite prudent for businesses of all types, but to look at your franchisor and franchisees to be specific, to franchises here uh, to actually go through these checklists. What would you say? Once a year, when they when they sort of um, you know maybe do their compliance work, or mm-hmm. is it something that sort of should be front of mind for whenever they've got a bit of a, a niggle?
0: Yeah. So look for franchisors. I guess it's you know um, probably a yearly health check. You know, in October you have to update your disclosure document, so making sure everything's updated and that you are compliant, you know, that like there's recent changes to unfair contract terms. So Mm -hmm. talking to, you know, whoever your lawyers are to say, does my franchise agreement, you know, is it compliant? Do I have any terms in there that could be particularly too one-sided, which is often the case? Um, But, you know, it's something that that could be a problem later. So I think think it's really probably a yearly health check, but, you know, it's something you should always be on top of, obviously, as a franchisor. Mm -hmm. Um, and and making sure, obviously, that your franchisees are paying and that sort of thing. That's, a you know, really a monthly <laughs> thing that you would do, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but with a, a franchisor, uh, sorry, franchisee, um, yeah, it's probably more at the beginning, you know, making sure that you know what you're getting yourself into yeah. and, um, yeah, if there's any issues during that, uh, during the term, how do you deal with that? And likewise, if you want to sell your franchise, which I think we'll have a bit of a chatter about yeah. today, you know what are your rights there within the term and what are your rights at the end um yeah. of the term um in terms of you know whether you get any goodwill those sorts of things so it's yeah. yeah i guess it's throughout the whole relationship but yeah at different different times for whether you're a franchisor or a franchisee it's
1: always helpful just to have those checklists available i think so thanks again for providing those and we yeah we'll attach those to our show notes Yes. Question without notice, Pru. Um, sorry, but just one that's popped in my mind. Is franchising covered by, I think you said there was a national code. Um, it's, is it a sort of, it's a Commonwealth legislation? It's not state specific, is it? The, yeah, it's like, Commonwealth. Commonwealth. Yeah. Yeah. So it's Commonwealth.
0: So that's, sorry.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's okay. So, and that's handy to know, especially if you're dealing with a franchise, or for example, that's in another state. That you will, you're still dealing on the all on even ground. You don't have to sort of worry too much about you know differences of um of legislation throughout the states.
0: Yes, no, it's absolutely a yeah federal legislation. So it's not state by state. So it's yeah, yeah wherever you are in Australia, it's the same Excellent. same code of conduct.
1: Very handy. Yes. Um, so we were talking about earlier how sort of franchising your business idea tends to be sort of an ultimate goal these days in relation to a lot of business ventures. You know, you start, start small and, you know, in the entrepreneur um, sort of life cycle, you start small and then you either grow to be taken over or to scale, right, and just to try and franchise out is a big option there as well. So um, can you maybe let us know what you think needs to be considered if someone's thinking about scaling their business and potentially going into franchising?
0: Yeah, no worries, Alice. So, look, it's something that a lot of people have come to me and said, oh, you know, I want to franchise, you know, I'm going to grow. And, um, you know, there's a lot to consider, obviously, because... Franchising, yeah, it is heavy, heavily regulated. So there's a lot of things that you need to consider. And if it's just something you're going to do very slowly, um, it, it's best to get legal and accounting advice, obviously, about what's the best way mm-hmm. to go. But sometimes you might consider whether you want to go into franchising or just a licence arrangement because obviously licensing is less onerous. Um, mm-hmm. However... Some people go, oh, I'll just do licensing because we just do a simple licence agreement and then they can use my brand, but you have to be very careful that you don't, the words are, you know, look, smell (laughs) and feel like a franchise because if you are holding yourself out as as a franchise, um, you know, brand essentially, uh, network, and you're just licensing you can be subject to penalties under the code because mm-hmm. obviously if you're a franchisor you must do your disclosure documents your key fact sheets and all these things that you have to tick off on so it's really a matter of considering yeah what what you're wanting to do how big um and getting the proper advice um I'd say from yeah also probably like a franchise consultant as well which we have a lot of connections in in that respect because they can look at not just the legal and you know financial side of things but they'll look at everything okay like sites um, setting up your documentation that sort of thing and That's really yeah handy. yeah yeah they're really handy so they, they look at the whole the, you know the, the whole story and, and you know what you're wanting to achieve really but yeah it, it is you'd have to look at okay yeah how big I guess you want to go and be very careful if you're considering just doing licensing agreements because you don't want to be captured by the code and then mm. be wrong and and have you know proceedings against you because you're you're holding yourself out as a franchise, but you're not you don't you haven't complied essentially. Yeah. So yeah, it's something to consider and get proper advice on. But yeah, a lot of people are like yes, you know these grandeur ideas of of growing and becoming the, you know the next boost or you know mm-hmm. who matters. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so you have you have to get the right advice really to make sure you're doing it properly and in the right way. And, and sometimes, yes, a licence agreement is appropriate if it's just very small um, and you're just beginning to, to grow. So mm-hmm. certainly the advice is get the proper advice on how to do it right. Sure. Yes. Yeah,
1: and early, right, because it's always one of those things about laying the foundations. If you've got a solid foundation there, depending mm-hmm. on how you're looking to use that going forward, it's going to be a lot easier than trying to reverse engineer um, you know, the process if you are caught out a little bit um down the track where you may have thought you're only licensing, but really you may be coming under that that franchise umbrella.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: No, Definitely. fabulous. Um, and then on the flip side, we hear often, you know, franchisees do go into businesses and for one reason or another, they might want to then look at selling mm. their franchise. Um, you know, it might be within the term. Um, of the contract that they're they're sort of engaged with the franchise or for and they're moving or for one reason or another they're looking at selling, there's quite a few things that they need. It's not just as easy as getting a business broker and selling your business, is it? There's quite a few things that franchisees need to consider when they're thinking about selling their businesses.
0: Yes, and I've been involved in a fair bit of litigation on this exact point, Alice. So it's it's something that, um, yeah, is really important to know what your obligations are under your agreements. So there's always in every franchise agreement I've seen a first right of refusal. And what that means is if you want to sell your franchise business within the term, so we talk Mm -hmm. about within the term to begin with, um, to another prospective franchisee, you must give the first right of refusal to your franchisor. So what that means is, I've had franchisees say, I've got this offer, you know, that, that does happen and then you have to put that offer to your franchisor and say, would you like to buy my franchise for this price? Mm-hmm. And Nine times out of ten the franchisor will say, no, thank you, go ahead.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But it's not just as simple as that. Obviously there's franchisee criteria. So under any franchise system there's criteria that mm-hmm. any franchisee must meet in terms of their experience and and, you know, financial position and, and that sort of thing. So it's about putting it to your franchisor first, getting their consent to transfer as well as giving them the option because a lot of franchisees that I've had the experience with just go and sell and then that is a breach mm. because they need to follow the proper process and then mm. there's all sorts of issues and it becomes very messy. So It's about knowing that even though you have to give that right of first refusal, usually your franchisor is not going to want to buy your store because they want to keep it franchised. They don't want it to become a a corporate Mm. company store because they're trying to, you know, continue building Mm. on their franchisee network. Um, But it's something that is required because sometimes the franchisor may want to take over the site for some reason. It has Mm. happened. Um, they want to take control of it because it hasn't gone well, and you know they want to do something different with that site, for example. So mm. um, it's it's really important to know that. And and the other thing that that franchisees are often not aware of is once your term ends, you don't get to sell your franchise. That goodwill, which seems obviously unfair, and there's been a lot of changes <laughs> around that. Um, but that goodwill goes back to the franchise or so you don't get to then go oh I'm going to sell my business for the goodwill and the assets. There is an option at the end of the term so either at the end of the term or if a franchise agreement is terminated for the franchise to purchase the assets. Now that means that tangible assets so not not the goodwill just the mm. equipment or whatever it might be a motor vehicle for example or something exactly. like exactly if it's a gym the gym equipment um mm. if it's a retail food business you know the, the cooking equipment washes mm. whatever it might be um so they they have the option to purchase that so it's an option it's not a requirement so mm-hmm. franchisees can't just expect that oh well, yep they'll just come in and buy this back if they have no interest in continuing to put um, a franchisee in that site. They may not. If they do, then they will buy the assets of you and then sign up a new franchisee. Mm-hmm.
1: So it's a matter
0: of really thinking about, okay, if you if you want to get the money back as a franchisee in terms of what you put into the franchise, it's really important that you consider as the term is getting towards the end, your options, okay, do I, could I sell this now and get the permission from your franchisor because that's the only way you're going to get your, your mm. goodwill back. So it's a lot of franchisees just, yeah, don't know that and, and I've acted in a lot of matters where we've negotiated um, it sometimes even after the term only because we've said it was an unlawful termination. So that's been a good outcome where we've been able to get some money back. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't always happen. Um, that yeah. can be quite complicated. So yeah it's it's really good to be aware of that because it's it's not a simple process no Mm.
1: you said earlier that it's often that there's like a say a five-year franchise term with a five-year option so it sort of extends Mm. out to 10 years how often is it that those can then sort of lapse over into another like another uh, agreement's entered into is that something that can be negotiated earlier or later or is it quite uncommon it's sort of like all bets are off at that point and you know if you're wanting to vie for that site you vie with everybody else if somebody else wants wants it as well.
0: Yeah, so your, your or has to give you notice uh, that your franchise agreement is due to expire um, within, you know, six to nine months of the expiry. And if there's no breach, like if you paid all your fees or you haven't breached your franchise agreement and they think you're a good franchisee, they'll usually offer you, you know, a- another term. But if obviously there's issues they usually don't um but you do get that option and and i've had franchisees that have said look i haven't I haven't heard from my franchisor which is obviously a breach of the franchise agreement if they haven't told them that you know your terms coming to an end you either have the option to renew or you don't um so then it's a matter of if you haven't heard contacting your franchisor to say look what's happening, I, I'd like another five years, I'm a good franchisee, I've been paying paying my money, um, you know, I've, I've got a really good business, and then they're going to want to keep you, obviously. Yeah. Uh, it's usually, obviously, because I do a lot of disputes, I tend to be involved in the ones where it's ending. So yeah. I'm seeing more of the ones where they're not going ahead, or we're arguing about whether there's been an unlawful termination, or whether they need to buy assets, or things like that. So yeah, um, and lots of breaches of restraints which we can talk about but um mm. yeah it's really important to communicate with your franchise or if you haven't heard from them and as a franchisor obviously you have to um give that notice that you know the terms due to expire so all
1: all very important and handy things now and again handy to understand your rights um yes. and responsibilities both as a franchisee and a franchisee and i think um again We'll revert back to those checklists you were talking about earlier that we'll attach. I think they've probably got a lot of questions that people can at least consider during yes. the terms of their um, their franchise agreements, which will be really helpful. Um, Prue, you've spoken to us a few times about some matters you've been involved in. I bet you've seen some horror stories. Tell us about, um, yes, yeah, <laughs> some things you, you want to share so people can learn from the experiences.
0: Yeah, I mean, i probably alluded to it. A little bit already in terms of you know just our general discussion but i've seen horror stories on both sides so um you know we act for a lot of franchisors and and i've acted for some franchisees so the main thing i've seen with with acting for our franchisors is is breaches of restraints so we've had franchisees going and um either shutting down their store and opening up competing businesses so i've had it in quite a few in the gym uh, industry, in fitness mm-hmm. industry, um, where particularly during COVID it happened a bit where um, franchisees went, we, we just can't afford to keep, you know, paying our franchise franchisor. Mm-hmm. Um, so we will just open up our own sort of brand and using all our clients' equipment and branding, by the way, but they were just painting over things and um, and just, yeah. Operating and um, you know obviously that is a breach of the restraint because there's always restraints in franchise agreements where you can't operate a competing business um, or use um, your franchisor's intellectual property unless it's within the business. So it's something that happens so often, Um, and it's yeah, it's it's important to know that you know I mean any franchisor that has a strong brand they usually. More we'll, definitely won't tolerate it and will set an example because if they let someone get away with it, it's setting an example mm. for all the whole franchising network to kind of, oh, well, we can just do what we like. And obviously they have to protect their brand and their reputation by making sure that doesn't happen. But it happens all the time. Um, right. and, and, and I've even had one recently where... Um, obviously not talking about what the, the franchise network was, but where they were still operating their business, but then they were operating another competing business at the same time doing the same thing. So it was all very odd. So mm. that situation we we resolved and it's still ongoing a little bit. But that's the biggest thing I've found is um, with acting for franchisors is franchisees not understanding that they have certain restraints oh, Pardon me. Um, yeah. um, certain restraints around yeah what they can do I mean they've signed up to this franchise and that's what they need to do and if they're having issues they need to communicate with their or mm-hmm. rather than going behind their back which um has yes happened a lot so that's the main thing I've seen um of late and I guess over the last couple of years and that's mm. probably due to, you know, COVID and people struggling and, and trying to find different ways to earn money. And, you know, it's hard because you can't stop competition and people competing, but you also can't breach your restraints. So right. That's right. Um, and,
1: and that's uh, the thing because, you know, restraints are there and um, you and I both know that, uh, you yeah, know, they're, they're there to be fair and reasonable, like o- onerous restraints, you can sort of deal with them. But when you've got good, fair restraints, they need to be adhered to, Right. Otherwise, the system just doesn't work.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and that's the thing. Sometimes some restraints can be unenforceable, but that's why, you know, there's always what they call cascading provisions in a lot of agreements where it says if this term isn't, you know, enforceable, well, then we'll go to the next term. And, yeah. you know, it, judges will enforce them. So it just mm. depends on, yes, like you said, whether they're reasonable, but um, they are. They're set up to be reasonable um, to protect the the franchise right, that particular yeah, franchise
1: brand. And the um, franchise brand, I think um, sort of individual franchisees or individual business owners need to sort of be aware, and I'd like to think that they are, but that as much as that brand might be important to the individual franchisee in their region or in, in their sort of area that they operate in, it is sort of, um, you know, hugely more important to the franchise because whilst, you know, there is obviously systems and processes that they sell as part of the franchise, the brand is everything. And if there is, um, you know, any deterioration to the value of that brand, it doesn't only affect, you know, X, Y, Z in cans, but it affects X, Y, Z everywhere because yes. that's the impact to that brand. Um, and I think sometimes that can get a little bit um, lost, especially when there's maybe one franchisee in a in a, in a region and they they sort of see the um, I guess the value of that brand name as theirs, and don't um, fully understand that there's multiples of that um, is how important it is to the actual head franchisor.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's 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 definitely something to be aware of, and and like I said, happens a lot. Um, yeah, and and in terms of on the other side, so franchisee horror stories. Um, I've been involved in yeah. I, a lot of different stashes if you want to put it like that um to do with yeah unlawful termination um and you know I guess taking advantage you know there's some networks there's a lot of amazing franchise networks but there's some that are not um but one particular one that I was involved in quite a few years ago was in relation to one network and I was acting for Whole group of franchisees, and I'm still being contacted by people um, in relation to this particular franchise. But this was around uh, disclosure of um, yeah what they would make and costs mm-hmm. So, like I said, it is it is hard to um, to work out exactly what profits you're going to be making. But the problem with this particular one was the costs that, and it, it was a common thing amongst so many franchises, the costs that they were told in their disclosure document and then subsequent emails, they blew out. So they might have said it was going to be like, you know, 500000 or something, and then they blew out to a million. So it was like a double. Wow. And, and yeah. the problem was as well, a lot of them were given financial statements at the beginning to say this is what you could look to make, This Mm. is what other franchisees were making and it was not the case. So lots of things impact that. Like sometimes you can't go, oh, but it's all your fault. Mm. But it was really, yeah, it was really clear that um, the disclosure there was not adequate and there'd been, yeah, a lot of breaches and I understand that particular one is part of a class action now, Um, but I was advising the franchisees in the beginning, you know, um, Mm. and, yeah, I guess the message there is, look at this disclosure register and get as much detail as you can from a franchisor because, mm. yeah, there's, there can be a lot of different networks where, yeah, these sorts of issues happen where, you know, families. I was acting for families where people had lost their house, um, you know, like just family livelihoods.
1: Um, yeah, that's really it was, hard.
0: It was awful. So, yeah, definitely so important to, to get full, disclosure and information before you go into any franchise business.
1: Absolutely. Um, Pru, thank you so much for um, the discussion. So far, we might just take a really quick break and we'll come back and um, we'll have a quick chat about your top tips in relation to franchising. Thanks, Pru.
0: Thanks, Alice. SMB Wisdom is proudly sponsored by SMB Advisory. SMB Advisory is a specialist firm of chartered accountants dedicated to providing specialist insolvency services to financiers, advisors, directors and individuals. The team at SMB Advisory are a safe set of hands to talk through your options when things get tough or when you find yourself in a tricky business situation and you're not sure what's next. Call the team on 1 800 762 238 or send a message through the website www.smbadvisory.com.au to talk through the next steps in your business journey.
1: And we're back. We've got Prue with us from McPherson and Kelly talking about all things franchising. I was just um, thinking, Prue, we've had such a good discussion today. I think there's so much that we could go uh, further into and we might have you back at some stage to sort of look at a few more of the, the nitty-gritty elements given how big that franchise industry is in Australia and how many of our small business owners actually are sort of involved one way or another in the franchise industry. Um but, look, now that we've got you back, are you able to maybe just give us some of your top tips um, when we're dealing in all things franchising? What do we need to remember?
0: Yeah, and it, it's probably just summarising what I've said today. But, uh, yeah, for franchisors, making making sure you are compliant, um, you're on the National Disclosure Register and you're doing everything you need to do to, yeah, to comply with the code. Um, and you know that would be getting getting advice from your accountant, your lawyer, any of your other advisors that you use to make sure that you're doing the right thing. Um, you're protecting protecting your brand um, by you know registering your your intellectual property. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of things obviously with franchisors, but just, yeah, just making sure you comply compliant, I guess, is the big message uh, for franchisors given it's a heavily regulated industry. And franchisees, my, you know, my top tips would just be, yeah, again, that disclosure, making sure you're getting all the information so that you're not, you know, going into something that, you know, could be bad down the track or jeopardise your your livelihood. So, Making sure that it's a good franchise brand, and and you've you've got all the information conducted due, due diligence on the you know yeah the the business that you're buying, but also that the franchise network, mm. um, knowing all about it because so many franchisees just jump in, mm. um, because they're excited or you know it all sounds great, so that they they don't spend enough time really looking into what they're getting themselves into. So yeah, that would be my. Key message for franchisees.
1: No, that's great. Thanks for it. I think you're right. Um, you can have all the regulation in the world, but if the people who are potentially affected by it don't know about it, it doesn't stop mm. them from actually losing out or um, sort yes. of being adversely affected. So that knowledge is power piece again, and making sure that you sort of have a, have a chat, you know, get some advice as well along the way from somebody like yourself to actually sort of understand what rights and obligations you have um, before you go into that business.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: Fabulous, Prue. And now look, at this stage um, in the podcast, I generally ask my guests whether they've got any good business wisdom that they'd like to share with our listeners. I think sort of we all have been around in businesses for so long, it's always nice to share um, business wisdom and not necessarily in relation to franchising, but do you have any um, business wisdom that um, that you've either been given or you like to share with others?
0: Yeah, it's something that I like to share with others and, and whether it's, I guess it is business wisdom because it's it's how we conduct ourselves every day, but when I was first admitted and doing my first court appearances, you know, it can be very daunting uh, standing up there in front of a judge and, you know, there's this little scary person. But for whatever reason, I don't know why, I always taught myself to look at the person and say, don't be nervous. They're just a person. I'm just a person. We're just doing our jobs. And not to be intimidated um, by who I was standing before, and and I do give that advice to to junior lawyers to give them confidence when they're standing up because it can be a hugely nerve wracking situation. Um, yeah, to just feel like yep, they're just as important. So that's that's something I've always passed on because I think it's you know to have that confidence and be brave and and stand up there. Um, yeah, is it, a big thing. So it's it's good to give that sort of I guess empower others to feel to feel confident and um, feel good about what they're doing.
1: Oh, I think that's brilliant. And I think it's such a good piece of business wisdom in so many different ways. I think, yeah, when you identify that everyone else is just per- human as well, um, you know, it brings us back to a, a slightly sort of more level playing field to to get on with thank you so much for sharing that and thank you so much for all of your valuable wisdom today Um, it's been really brilliant talking with you Um, and i think the information that you've provided is so important for anybody who is dealing with a franchise situation on whichever side uh, to consider as i said earlier we'll make sure we link um the copies of the checklists to the uh, to the show notes for this podcast Um, and we'll also have details of your um, bio and how we can contact you. But maybe do you want to just let our, our listeners know how can they contact you if they want to reach out? Where can we find you?
0: Yeah, look, happy, Alice, for you to provide my email details and mobile. I'm, I'm fine with that. Um, if anyone has any questions, always happy to answer them, have a bit of a chat about whatever the issue might be. So, yeah, um, feel very welcome to to contact me in those ways and, and you know, see if I can help. That's great. Thank you so much, Prue,
1: and and we will. We'll have Prue's full bio uh, and details of how to contact her in the notes and on our webpage. Um, Thank you again to everyone who's listened in today. Please don't forget to hit subscribe so that you don't miss out on any of our fabulous episodes that we have coming up. Um, Please also give us a rating so that others can find out about us too. Join us again for our next episode of SMB Wisdom and in the meantime, be wise in business. Thanks, Prue.
0: Thanks, Alice.